Hello, and welcome to the Stafford Beer Brain of the Firm Reading Group uh, with General Intellect Unit. This time, uh, we are continuing our read through Chapter 18, uh, and we are starting on the section called The October Perspective on page 318. Uh, so now we're going to get into sort of... Uh, the end of this period, um, Beer's, Beer's most ambitious plans here, uh, and sort of a prelude to how, uh, they failed. Uh, so let's, let's get started. Uh, the core group struggled with these matters as the Grimio battle, uh, recrudesced with the prognosis that stocks would finally run out on Tuesday the 24th. On the 20th, the president was reported in vigorous words. Uh, Solo me sacaran de la mondea dentro de un pijama de madera. They'll only drag me out of the presidential palace in wooden pajamas. He meant it. Uh, and this time his will prevailed. On the same day, I was setting up the research already mentioned into the social uses of algodonic meters at Sarin and wondering how the use of any such tool might affect minority aggression within a democracy. So speaking here of the uh, petty bourgeois grimios as the minority. Uh, on the same day, also, I gave the first draft of the diagram at figure 46 to the undersecretary. So figure 46 uh, is a diagram that is labeled, uh, well, it doesn't actually have a label, uh, but at the top you can see cybernetic and political analysis. Uh, so this is an attempt to um, provide a broader national cybernetic model uh, that features Cybersyn as only one component um, in a broader perspective. It also includes the five principles, uh, which we discussed previously. So it attempted to give perspective to all that we were doing and to mark the October turning point in our preoccupations. The picture presented by the diagram does not need a commentary, but it should not be passed over too lightly. It took us a long time to discuss all its implications. Although Project Cybersyn was to continue as planned until the government's overthrow, it was hardly surprising that from this time I should, only, I should devote only a fraction of my time to it. The same was true for other core group members, to the mystified chagrin of many scientists working on Cybersyn who could not appreciate why we were infrequently seen. Uh, so, Beer kind of making excuses here uh, for what was obviously something that pissed off the scientists working on Cybersyn, but from his perspective, he kind of did the groundwork and now it was their job to run the thing. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, you know, he felt like his, his attention could be better spent elsewhere. October was nearly over. 
a very long and crucial meeting between Flores, Espeo, Schwamba, uh, Farne, and myself uh, reviewed the whole experience. We should proceed with all our plans, but they were now secondary to national survival. The training program should be furthered with all speed, but facilities and funding for the films would be most difficult to arrange, wherever they were made. This problem passed back to me. The new network that had given embodiment to the third of the five principles during the crisis must be maintained, built upon, and turned into a permanent feature in support of the new cooperative structures that were rapidly emerging in the countryside. There was much more. As the political dust settled, the cabinet resigned en bloc, as was inevitable, so that the president could make fresh, fresh dispensations, or sorry, dispositions. Uh, on the 2nd of November, the new cabinet was formed, and Fernando Flores was now Minister of Economics. The problem area of his direct responsibility had enlarged again. Moreover, the attempts in the reshuffle to accommodate the aspirations of all members of the coalition were to lead to such a degree of sectarian rivalry within the cabinet and the top echelons of administrative power that the viability of the government itself became a more urgent question than the viability of the economy. The role of the military was an ever-present and shifting complication. Uh, so, yeah, this is something that Beer mentions here, but um, it's not the case that the military was uh, strictly counter-revolutionary. Uh, there were different figures who had different political affiliations, and Pinochet was the one that the CIA found to do a coup. You know, he was a reactionary and could be persuaded to do so. Uh, but the, the military was not like uh, totally lockstep united in their opposition to the government. Um, and the other thing to mention, I guess, here is that the, the government that was in power, the revolutionary government, uh, was a coalition government. And that's why these, these sectarian divides became uh, so acute. Uh, back in England during November 1st, uh, or sorry, back in England during November, I was pursuing many plans already mooted in these chapters and trying to guide progress with the operations room in Santiago by conversational telex from London. There were meetings with filmmakers and financiers about the proposed films. There, uh, the basic postulate being that 10 training films could be made in support of this very book and sold internationally to management schools at a modest profit so that Chile would get the set free. Obviously, however, they would need to be more general in their relevance than we should wish in the context of Cybersyn. Once again, it was frustrating to have important developments at the national level held up by such small considerations. While all these efforts continued in London, quieter moments were devoted to the realities of life 8,000 miles away. They were filled with concern about instability of the country, of the government, and of the economy at large. Systemic instability is a cybernetic concept, and it has cybernetic solutions. But these have to be formulated within the bounds of political practicability. The sectarian struggle was destabilizing in itself, 
while the activities of foreign agencies reflected, as has been officially documented, deliberate strategy of destabilization. Although it was still possible to discuss these large issues with the minister, qua cabinet member, it, seems cl it seemed clear that any action proposal would have to be pitched within the context of his own ministry. Here, his promotion meant that we were addressing a new level of recursion, in which the projects so far being developed were attributable as Systems 1. Messages arrived from Chile that confirmed this orientation. There were large questions surrounding the public stance that a relatively unknown minister should adopt. In short, here was a System 5 function to fulfill that belonged to a recursion midway between that of the Organization for Regulating the Social Economy as a Viable System and that of the Collegiate Cabinet Organization for Preserving the State as a Viable System. Secondly, and very naturally following the October experience, the organization of the supply of essential goods for the population needed special attention. The population itself, alert to its vulnerability in this respect, was rapidly engaging in measures to confirm and improve the techniques of distribution that had sprung into being during the stoppage. Autonomous self-organizing units were developing to cover neighborhoods, then villages, and even working places whereby the producer, the worker himself, could be connected to the consumer himself directly. Such development threatened to eliminate commerce as such, and with it, of course, the Gremios. These developments deserved encouragement, and it seemed that, only the, that the only administrative in intervention that would be needed would be to provide some version of a System 2 capable of regulating metabolism in the total system. There would, however, remain policy determinants on the central axis. Acute shortages of basic food must invoke mandatory rationing in some form, and the government still had its social policy for fairer shares than those traditionally awarded according to the extreme socioeconomic stratification of the populace. All right, so let's, uh, let's talk about this, this part here. Uh, Shane, go ahead. Isn't that last paragraph just just amazing right that like even in the midst of this this problem right the flores promotion starting to kind of cause these kind of problems or like this this new level of recursion spiraling into view that they were they had to deal with but on the ground autonomous self-organizing units were doing this sort of stuff and in such a way that it was just it was going to eliminate commerce it was just going to reconfigure value and production and distribution and everything and like it, it was happening it was sort of the germinal stuff was, was ongoing, even while they were dealing with these very high-level problems. That's yeah, just, that's really great. Yeah. I, I, I really think we see here, uh, yeah, as you said, kind of the germinal form of, of, of like the abolition of the value form, right? Um, not in and, general, but like not outside of Chile, but perhaps inside of Chile, um, and and the possibility that beer sees of using. Cybersyn-like systems to uh, coordinate that. Mm -hmm. And I think I, maybe the thing that's, uh, it, it's, I don't know, like the fact that these, these were happening autonomously, right? Like this, this is the kind of proof in the pudding of this notion of like autonomous units being coordinated. Mm -hmm. That's like you have this technical infrastructure to coordinate autonom autonomous action. Mm -hmm. And it just starts ticking away doing the thing. It's almost like it's a kind of 
the, the way like a genomic replicator kind of programs what proteins are going to do and they just sort of do them right but like and that's very different from the like um centralized kind of model the soviet model of like we're, we're going to abolish the value for uh, abolish the value form but we're going to do it here in moscow you know we're, we're going to do it in our brains and you're you're all going to have to play along with it what the the the, the center parts here were struggling to deal with very high level problems while the, the cell cellular level was just starting to do its thing autonomously the, the plan was basically working yeah. this is exactly what you to happen and you'd expect to happen and it's it's very interesting that this this didn't have to pass through beer like the the p people abolishing the value form didn't have to go through him or go through one of these departments it was just the, the technical infrastructure to do it was working and just the, the thing was just brewing away yes uh i agree i think um we see here uh a lot of the contradictions of of, of sort of the um dictatorship of the proletariat coming to a head and we can see you know the dynamics of the withering of the state um are at play here you can see them uh of course they're frustrated ultimately but it is very interesting to see them pop up uh okay so uh matt uh and then uh or sorry jake and then matt yeah, I definitely agree with what you said about the sort of autonomy. I think it's cool. It's cool to see that, you know, this sort of idea of, well, just provide the people with the tools and the knowledge to make their own decisions about their lives. And they'll tend towards this, like, well, commerce was in the process of being eliminated. Like people, if given the true choice, like given the possibility of choosing something different, are are choosing to like, you know, why do I go through these small business people, like people who hoard this food and all that stuff? Like I should just be talking to the pr producers directly um, or, you know, through these systems too, system two, I guess that, um, that the government is, is creating. I, I think it's very, it's definitely very encouraging um, to think about the kind of like in terms of the project of socialists, I've increasingly been seeing it a lot of, as like just connect the right people to the right people you know it's just a matter like that's what organizing is this is just like finding the people who have the things that you need or the skills that you need or the skills that other people need and connecting them and that sounds like simple but it's like really complex and there's a lot of nuance to it and and clearly there's you know there's all these forces at play which which frustrates it but but ultimately like that's what if you believe that the working class can run the world, if you believe that regular people have the capacity to understand their lives and what they need, then it really does become about how do you empower them to get the things they need and to give the things that they have to the people that they that need it. Um, so I think that's really cool. Uh, definitely good to, it's, it's good to sort of see that they were concerned with the question of like this larger system this larger um system in which chile is just like a system one of it sort of um being the world capitalist system uh, it's a shame they didn't get a chance to like really like integrate or not integrate but disintegrate uh that system you know get out of that uh that place that they're stuck in um it's frustrating that fucking coup happened uh i hate fascists <laughs>
I mean, yeah, I definitely hate fascists. Uh, but, you know, it's like they're... They're like building communism over here and they can't even make a couple documentary films because they're so cash strapped. <laughs> uh, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, even hearing about what, like uh, uh, what went wrong is I, I find honestly very encouraging because, you know, like, like it's easy to get into, you know, at, at, you know as like a correction of like, you know, um, uh, you know, t- uh, uh, like hyper like tech optimism. You know, it's, it's easy to fall into like an overcorrection of, uh, of, of uh, tech pessimism, um, uh, and, you know, like, uh, you know, stuff like flying cars and the flying rate and the falling rate of profit. Yeah, they'll make some important points. But, you know, the flip side is that there actually have been like massive tech technical changes between when this uh, uh, was happening and now. And, uh, you know, like a lot of this stuff that, you know, legitimately stood in his way, like, you know, like it's just not even a thing now. <laughs> like, like you have a, you know, you, 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 you wouldn't need to fly to London to get some films produced. You know, he'd be able to produce a passable one with what was in his pocket. Like that wouldn't even, yeah, wouldn't even be a thing. Also, um, uh, I, I was thinking about the, the uh, um, uh, you know, f- f- further up when it's talking about like the continuous um, monitoring with the algodonic signals and just contrasting that with like the, the election. Like, uh, you know, it is kind of absurd that we have these high stakes elections. Like the, the, the fact that there's anything, you know, the fact that there's that there is such a thing as electoral strategy, like says that, you know, like you know, the, 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 what you're ostensibly trying to do, like measure public popular opinion so that, you know, you carry out the will of the people is obviously false. Because, you know, if you're taking into account stuff like, you know, whether it's going to be raining that day or, you know, the, like all these little like maneuvering, like tactical things, like it it shows that the whole thing is kind of absurd. You know, having these high stakes elections, you know, I, I've heard actually other cybernetics people, you know, say, you know, uh, we basically make a, a one bit, we send one bit every four years, <laughs> like, uh, which is insane. Yeah, something more like an algodonic. Um, uh, um, a signal that, you know, actually has let, like continuous polling, I think, you know, would make a lot more sense. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't know if you could necessarily uh, structure a government according to continuous polling, but um, like having that be the only way that people interact with the government is really ridiculous uh yeah i mean what a state of affairs um so i i i think it's it's really that question of uh time scales that beer brings up all the time like needing to understand time scales and needing to calibrate according to reasonable time scales uh because yeah i mean i don't think it's necessary like you know, uh, even in a even in an all-out war, uh, the different sides are going to have punctuated periods of activity where you have battles. Um, it, it does make sense in some ways to have those punctuated marks, uh, but uh, not like this. <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. Um, okay. Uh, right. So, um, architectonics of the new recursion were formulating in my mind, but I wanted to discuss the issues in depth before attempting a written statement. By the end of November, I was back in Santiago, arriving just before the president left for Cuba en route to, en route to the United Nations. 
There, he was to make a famous address about the Chilean plight under the monstrous burdens of economic blockade and covert political intervention. This provoked worldwide sympathy and no helpful action whatsoever. Solidarity! <laughs> yeah, uh, very true. Uh, isn't it always that way? Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> can think of many examples of this happening. Uh, but while I was yet in England, my compatriot and friend, Ross Ashby, discoverer of the law of requisite variety, who had retired to his home in the West Country a few, days, a few years earlier, died at the age of 69. Cybernetics thereby lost the further teachings of a great man whose genius is still far from being properly recognized. The event left me personally, personally depleted. So dealing with this problem internationally, uh, seeing Allende, uh, you know, frustrated at the UN, and then hearing that Ashby died, uh, putting uh, beer into a depression is kind of the, the summary of that situation. Uh, a new recursion. It is easily stated, and perhaps readily understood from this vantage point, that we are now dealing with a new level of recursion, if only because the sponsor of the cybernetic approach had emerged as minister. It was not obvious at the time, although it is clear or sorry, although it was clear that something was different. Some perhaps saw this simply as a gain in prestige and authority for the work, because the man was the same man and his contributions to the inner councils of the president had always been effective, whatever his official job. Again, the ostensible cybernetic effort was perceived as being concentrated at Corfo, where Project Cybersyn had been started and where it was still housed. Its growing professional staff was increasingly remote from the center of cybernetic activity, the core group, which was in turn expanding. This itself had no institutional focus and was thereby rendered invisible, even perhaps to its own members who were wholly preoccupied in urgent political tasks and economic assignments such as directing industrial sectors. Although Cybersyn itself had still to be scientifically directed, there was much else for me to do and I did not even meet most of the laterally recruited staff. It was December 1972. After October, the priorities were changed, as I have already said. None knew this better than the minister himself, and his response was to draw sharply back from Cybersyn to the consternation of many, the gratification of a few, and the obfuscation of the recursion issue. The consternation was felt by those who regarded Cybersyn as a political instrument and who thought they saw political support incipiently withheld. The gratification was experienced by the technocratically minded who wanted effective management regardless of the political framework. The emergence of a new recursion was obscured because all the circumstances recounted in these two paragraphs seemed adequate to explain why, quote-unquote, things were different, and they did not point to any structural problem in the recursive mapping of the economy. There was one, however, if we think back to the original modeling of November 1971, we find the economy defined in terms of its assets, 
the land, minerals, industry, and the ownership of those assets, which in turn defined the public and private sectors. All the emphasis was on the shift from private to public ownership, which was creating what was called the social economy. It was therefore natural to everyone to structure their approach to organization in terms of the assets owned. The land had its own agricultural ministry. Ownership of that land had been a major political issue for many years, and important changes had already been introduced before this government arrived, although they had been much accelerated. As far as the Ministry of Economics was concerned, ownership related to industry um, and economic regulation related in the first place to the effective management of the assets that constituted that industry. Thus, it was political reality which originated the hierarchy of enterprises, sectors, ramas, and the administrative apparatus to go with it. And it was cybernetic necessity which mapped that reality onto a recursive nest. So far, so good. But the preoccupation with ownership makes sense only insofar as it betokens ruling power. Increasingly, we find that other factors supervene. Hence, privately owned industry in the West complains that the trade unions exercise too much power, and dissident minorities in all advanced societies are often accused of holding the majority to ransom. In all contemporary societies where such movement is not forcibly repressed, there seems to be a resurgence in the self-organizing capability of communities to promote themselves as viable systems, independently of, or even set against, a moribund authority that derives from archaic and legalistic courts of appeal. Thus, it was in Chile by the end of 1972. The model we were using until then could not adequately represent changes that had come about during Allende's term, and which had crystallized around the events of October, because these were changes in economic management that had nothing to do with ownership in the legal sense. To be precise, the ownership model nominated only owned assets, whether public or private, as viable systems, which between them constituted an exhausted System 1. The community, considered only in its economic role, of course, was part of the environment with respect to System 1, and was connected to System 1 operations by a homeostatic loop labeled demand in one direction and supply in the other. The distribution function was depicted as metabolizing that homeostat. Certainly, and continuing the use of the ownership filter on our spectacles, the distribution function was largely owned by the Grimios, and therefore this homeostat was vulnerable to disruption. But this fact does not necessarily turn commerce into a system one. All subsystems of the viable system, as elucidated by the model, are regarded as essential components of viability in any case, so survival depends on them all. Then so long as the management of assets determined the composition of System 1, this mapping of the model obeyed all the cybernetic conventions as well as reflecting political reality, and I still consider it to have been adequate to the task originally imposed upon it. What was happening, however, as described at the end of the last section, uh, powerfully suggested that two levels of recursion were mixed together in that preliminary model. It took a great deal of analysis to understand why this was, how it happened, and therefore what could be done about it. 
In the end, I think that most of the difficulty experienced at this point was due to an ideological hyperbole. What we had modeled was the public sector of industry in N recursions, and it had the label the social economy. The social economy, however, turned out to be more than this, and in order to model the ministerial totality, we needed an extra level of recursion. The evidence that this was so presented itself uniquely in my experience, and this made it difficult to recognize and later to explain. The economic community, something different from the demographic community, was itself a viable system, because it had grown a management that was quite independent of the whole business of ownership. The distributive function, something different from transportation, was also a viable system because it too had grown a management that was quite independent of the Grumio ownership. These two managements were the systems 543 of the two viable systems that were part of the social economy, but not part of the set of industrial recursions. Then the social economy and the and public industry were not, after all, coextensive. The latter was a system one of the former. So the public industry was a system one of the social economy. This conclusion identified the missing recursion. It needed to offer an at least tripartite account of the internal economy in which owned industry was only a component system one along with various others. The distribution function, or commerce, in quotation marks because it is conceived as independent of ownership, and community, in quotation marks because it is conceived as an economic instrument, had identified themselves because of their emerging managements, which were, it needs repeating, independent of the norms of the industrial model. Then, of course, there could be others, as yet not identified. All right, uh... <clears throat> so uh, we 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 I think this is a really interesting section because we start to get into uh, the limitations of the slogan uh, "seize the means of production." Um, I think that uh, we we really see here. Okay, you know you you set up the dictatorship of the proletariat. You seize the means of production. Now new contradictions start to appear, and those slogans, which uh, were useful in initiating the revolution, now become uh, obstacles to the revolution. Uh, so uh, uh, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, so let's uh, go to uh, uh, Jeremy, and then Shane, and then Jake. So in the heart of enterprise, uh, there's a section, I think it's either the last or the second last section of the book, has very, very extended examples of applying the viable system model. And one of them is tracking a particular mega corporation over more than a decade. And there's a part where they all have to rewrite the, the model because there are levels of recursion that existed in subsequent iterations that didn't exist in the beginning iteration. And Beer gives examples where the original model did not take everything into account and new recursions had to be stuffed in. 
and also other places where over the evolution of time, new recursions emerge and have to be reapplied to the model. Um, I think this is a very, very difficult problem. So I think you need to flag this. If we're ever going to be doing this kind of analysis, this is a serious, serious problem, both the problem of getting the original model wrong and also the problem of what happens with time evolution in the model, creating new recursions that really do have to be perceived. And in the particular context here, I think I'm reminded of how Mao's writing changed between like the long March era and later on when he was running all of China that, okay, great, we now have political control but there's still tons and tons of problems implementing communism. How do we address that given that we have political control? We run the country and yet communism isn't happening. What do we do? So I don't think Mao did that great a job with it. He kind of nuked the whole situation with the Cultural Revolution. That's one strategy, but it might not be the ideal strategy. Um, I think both points are really important. One being how the model has to constantly be interrogated to see if we're missing recursions and also how this applies to the time evolution of a socialist enterprise. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, Shane, go ahead. Um, yeah, so like uh, an earlier thing is, is kind of interesting, like the um, when Beer is talking about the sense of like the the projects growing and there's all these these new uh, people being recruited and that he, it gets to a point where he, he doesn't even really know any of the people that he's ostensibly working with. Reminds me of a thing from like um, from like startup land where like your organization breaks every time it doubles in size. You know, it's like it's, it's that's especially relevant at the very low part of the curve, right? Where you go because you go through these like transition points where you go from like a team of four people or whatever who's working on a project and then up to like it gets big enough that you have to do like cell division and now the original four are kind of like super, like working with others and stuff and that you get that kind of definitely a point at which you kind of detect it in the air like something is quite different that like you're you're it's not the same unit anymore and you have to kind of split, split things up um but yeah this this later thing is so interesting right that like if if ownership and like property relations end up obscuring the real system, right? And we like if you think about that in capitalism, right? That like this the sort of the whole body of social production, like the social organism, is partitioned according to ownership, and its regulation is partitioned by ownership, which is not actually a sensible way of organizing anything. It, it doesn't. It doesn't like ownership doesn't correspond to activity. Right, so there's there's these real processes and these real feedback loops in the social body, and then there's this model of hierarchical ownership, that, and they they, prob they don't really correspond at all. So the, the, these these property relations obscure real social relations. I mean, look, you know, marks.txt.jpg or whatever, but you, yeah, this, this thing like. Uh, the, Mark, the whole Marxist thing, or who, who knows, if, if the guy had lived through to it till he was 300 and actually got to write all the books he wanted to write, maybe there would be something more to this. But the emphasis on seizing the means of production 
it's, it's worth dwelling on this, right? Like, is it, is it possible that, like, by focusing on the, the sort of degenerated, broken mirror version of social relations, that we would risk taking those over and then replicating them and then missing the fact that they don't actually, ma- they don't actually mean anything in terms of social organization? Because, like, yeah, I mean, this is, this is what they encountered, right? Like, that the, the initial revolution had to focus on, like, ownership, but then when they got it, they started to realize, hold on, the, the physiology of this body that we thought was there, it's, it's not real. The thing has its own physiology entirely that's different from ownership. And then, like, industry ends up being just one of the subsystems of this whole social body. It's a sibling of community. It's a sibling of, of commerce or whatever, the, the distribution function. There's a lot going on there that's not the means of production, that's not workplace stuff. It's, it's, it's so strange, right? And it's, it's very interesting that they, they happened upon this and realized this. And I think this is probably one of the bigger lessons we need to take forward, that property and ownership and stuff are very important and we have to, we have to take the power of the capitalists away. But the property itself isn't the point, really. It, we, we would want to scrape away the broken mirror and reveal what's actually beneath it. Right. I, like, I think the thing with seizing the means of production is that, you know, it's about seizing the use values. Um, it doesn't say uh, nationalize the means of production or buy mm-hmm. the means of production. It says seize the means of production. Tell that uh, to the Labour Party. You know? <laughs> uh, so, you know, nationalization could be seen as a form of seizure of the means of production. But it is important to note that it's mediated through ownership relations in a way that Marx's slogan doesn't necessarily imply. Um, And so, you know, I I think that what Beer is saying here is completely consonant with the critique of political economy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, just kind of getting at, yeah, that... Structuring society according to an alien power of capital uh, implies these ownership relations, which are not elemental to human relationships uh, and which, uh, you know, uh, they do create uh, social labor in a, in a new scale. Uh, but that doesn't uh, mean that... Uh, we can't uh, transcend that and achieve a, a social labor at a higher level. Uh, Absolutely right. <laughs> but like, as always, the, the problem is not really Marx; it's Marxists. <laughs> like, it's it's the the, the tradition after after Marx is the kind of problem. But like, yeah, you're, the, the, this stuff is foregrounded, like as a like oh, nationalization or like you know taking control of what exists is the the kind of the objective and then that, that well, degrades into like dsa people thinking that communism is when your employer gives you free dental or whatever well um, or you yeah. know or like you know think about an alternate scenario right like think about something like uh the Meidner plan if the Meidner plan had succeeded then the workers pension funds would own uh pretty much all of the capital in uh sweden and uh, you would have ownership of the means of production in that sense. But nothing that beer is talking about here would be achieved. You'd still have to go to your shitty job. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you, you would still be operating under the same property relations as before. It's just that, you know, 
you could uh, like the the workers party could direct investment better uh, and you you know have a better pension right so which would converge on the problem of like socialists or communists ends up ending up just being better caretakers of capital right like yes this is the fucking thing that haunts us all the time right yeah. yeah so again this this gets back to the need to abolish the value form uh, and abolish property relations and then sort uh, private property or I, I we should say even public property because <laughs> in the se- in a sense you know public property can be just as alienated as private property. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, okay. Anyway. You get uh, one toothbrush and that's fucking it. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, uh, usual caveat, property is not whatever, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's not personal property. Um, uh, okay, uh, Jake, uh, go ahead. Uh, and then we'll go to uh, Matt, uh, Boast and Matt. Yeah, definitely um, agree with all of that. I think, yeah, it's kind of, I, I, I like that he's kind of working through the, like, like well, you know, we thought it was ownership, but it turns out there's something deeper. And sort of the way that this model still, it still does accurately map onto things, but it's just like, what are you actually, it, it kind of gets back to, I feel like, some of the problems that we were discussing when he when he really laid out the VSM and kind of like chapters like twelve through fifteen or whatever. Um, sorry, uh, people like to ride around on dirt bikes in Philly. Um, anyway, uh, um, and like talking about like the the question of like, well, what are we actually mapping here? Like, what is what are the things that are sent up? You know, when we consider uh, like an economy level or even like national level, whatever, like system VSM, it's like these inputs aren't going to be figured out until you try it, until you figure out, until you like unleash the creative potential of the society to actually like provide like, oh, hey, this is what we're seeing. This is what we are providing, you know, and it's not actually what you thought it was at first and, and sort of the need for flexibility with that you know you can't just be wedded to that idea of like well what are you talking about like this is the worker state and the the state has is now the owner and so therefore the workers uh now control the means of production but it's like no no the state owns the means of production that doesn't tell you whether that can be the control can be enforced you know i think is a, a real big thing is like it's it's just like you know you see like laws i've seen like some a bunch of laws get passed in like you know, in these, in, in some U.S. state, but it's like, are they going to enforce those laws? How do they enforce them? You know, it's like thinking about it at something that's a little more like you have to really grapple with the, where the rubber meets the road. You know, you can't just say like, well, we've done it and now it's done. It's like, no, you have to investigate and see if what you've done is what you wanted and what people want. Um, and so I think it's, it's definitely like, I like him kind of I like that he sort of worked through and it's like, no, this is actually part of this larger system of which this is just a system one. And, you know, if we can figure out the right things to look at when we're making these models, it can really help us uh, actually figure out if we've arrived, right? Like, do we still have more, how much more work do we still have to do? What do we still have to do to actually get worker control over society, you know? And I, I also like just that he, it's not just about ownership. It's not just about 
control. It's about how do these, what are the pieces that are interacting, you know, cause it is all these systems, they're, they're hugely complex and they have all these moving parts. And so the question is like, what are the, what are the important parts that we have to be concerned with? You know, what, which parts need to interact in which ways to be able to say we've achieved, uh, you know, abolishment of the value form or whatever. And it definitely like, you know, if there was any doubt that like previous attempts, especially like the early 20th century, like didn't achieve socialism or communism, like they really just, they, they made attempts, but it's clear, like those things are not sufficient. And you, you kind of have to always, you have to always be doing the self-reflection. I think that's another thing that, um, you know, beer is trying to get at with the constant, like, you know, with these homeostats and, and everything of the, and these like algonomic channels of like automatic feedback, because it's, it's like, you really, you can't ever not be, uh, self reflexive or you're going to die. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing of the VSM, right? You have to be, you need that, that overall look of the system or the, the system spirals out into the constituent parts and, and the, the cohesive goals are lost, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely just, it's very important. Right. And I mean, the thing is like, we don't want a worker state. We don't want there to be a state and we don't want there to be workers. And we're going to see this play out in uh, the rest of this chapter, this contradiction is going to start to come to the fore um, when it gets to the question of uh, management versus workers. Um, so, you know, uh, when we sort of talk as like social Democrats about perfecting the worker state or as, as, as Leninists about building a worker state, I mean, we don't really want to build a worker state like... Because <laughs> that implies a kind of social stasis that we're not interested in. Uh, you know, if 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 that's if if perfecting the worker state is the goal we end up with, then it's a failure because we're talking about human liberation here, not the uh, perfection of labor. Um, uh, OK, so uh, uh, Boast and then Matt. So I'll try to keep it short since I'm echoing a lot of things that have already been said, but uh, it really kind of talks about this paradox where you need to both seize the means of production and the means of social reproduction simultaneously. But whereas the means of production is like, oh, it's that factory over the hill. The means of social reproduction is the stories that people have been telling each other, the relations that have been allowing people to have these kind of informal markets amongst themselves and all of these like greater pieces of social machinery that Beer's talking about. And I think it, it's really telling that I, it, it seems like he did try to engage with the social machinery early on at least, you know, in these like these movies and these films that he's trying to develop where he's like, I want to get into these um, these social engines and, you know, not just impact them, but also learn from them, because like you're not gonna, you're going to end up with these ideological hyperboles, as he mentioned, if you keep approaching these like incredibly varied you know social systems with the mindset of a um, like a very specific like industrial engineer. Um, so I just think like it's 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 a paradox that I'm not sure if it was Beer's own training as like an, a very industrially minded person or the timeline that made um, like the understanding of social reproduction just outside of their grasp or something that they couldn't really you know put all of their you know resources towards. Uh, yeah, I mean he 
he talks in figure 46 about uh, the people system uh, as opposed to uh, the cyber sin system or the recursive model. Now, this is kind this this uh, diagram was kind of formulated prior to his breakthrough of understanding better uh, the role of the like the nature of the social economy um, because it, it still it still relies on that kind of uh, bourgeois distinction between the people and or sorry the the social and the economic. Uh, whereas I think that's starting to get more uh, more mixed up once he gets to figure 47. Uh, and you start to see the social and the economic inter intermingling with each other and cross-contaminating each other. Um, so I, I think that the, the breakdown of uh, that distinction in his work, I, I would see as a, a, a kind of progress, um, for sure. Uh, uh, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, yeah, and yeah, like w w watching them struggle with this. I mean, you know, uh, like between um, yeah, hearing about what like like some of this stuff, and uh, um, and yeah, obviously what like Richard Wolf talking about um, uh, worker um, uh, cooperatives. Like, I mean, like that's honestly what kind of made me take like socialism seriously. Like, uh, you know, just like actually someone getting into the nuts of like what does it actually mean for you know workers to own the means of production, or uh, you know, like what or yeah, why would that be better? <laughs> like, like uh, and yeah, and especially like with with him going into like the command and control here um uh because uh, like you know title ownership doesn't actually necessarily mean that much you know the, the example always comes to mind for me is the national coal board um uh in in the uk which is you know that 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 us uh, that um uh spoil you know was just piling up around Aberfan, and you know the the, the miners who worked there you know were complaining but there there was just no you know the, 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 it, it was it, it, that telephone didn't lead anywhere and, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I do think, yeah, the, the, the cybernetic proposition being that communication is control and, you know, like, like setting up, uh, uh, the, you know, these, uh, uh, command and control, like, uh, um, uh, uh, flows is, yeah, like, like, like that's how you actually do it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is, is this whole, like, thing, you know, like the fact that they're actually getting into the nuts and bolts of, like, how, um, uh, uh you know, you, you Capitalism is an ecosystem of institutions, <laughs> and uh, you know some of them like consciously created, and some of them actually kind of not. You know, some some of them you know um, uh, kind of happen incidentally, and so you know switching from one to the other, like yeah, there, there's just so much so much crap you got to do. So you know, just really really like useful you know data set here. Yeah, I think Beer's emphasis on. Uh the existence of unnamed or unplanned uh, institutions is really valuable. Um, it's a good thing to keep in mind whenever doing uh, organizational analysis uh, because these things do pop up and they're important, but they don't necessarily have a legal charter um, or organizational charter. Uh, Matt, go ahead. 
Another thing that popped to mind was also just like, uh, yeah, I, I've heard people say things along the lines of like, uh, uh, yeah, um, a consolidation of industry, which you know is a natural like dynamic under capitalism, and it, you know it's, it is more efficient. You know, um, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, actually, is kind of a template like for socialism. Like it gets arrested because you know, like uh, uh, the, the bourgeoisie can you know like hit the brakes um, uh, at, at a certain point once it's not serving their their, their interests. But I mean, you know, the, I, I do kind of see actually how like uh, yeah the, the the process of uh, uh, you know industries consolidating into, into these massive trusts yeah there's something to it you, you, they, they wind up creating like these little incidental institutions also uh, in terms of uh, what do you mean uh, in, like uh, how how did the how does the consolidation create uh, uh, little institutions. So, so, so like AWS, like, uh, you know, Amazon, like, created a computer system to help them manage their logistics. And, uh, uh, you know, that wound up, uh, uh, you know, spinning off into this other thing, you know, with all these other services that they, you know, um, uh, now, uh, uh, like, sold, like, sold to uh, um, other other businesses. You know, what, what like, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you've got these, um, you know, this discovery process, like, like, that winds up happening. Or, you know, like, little, uh, yeah, the, the, there's all these little professional societies that just wind up springing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and the, 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 like uh, the, those wind up being patronized, you know, by the surplus of like, you know, really, really big companies. Like it's it's not really so much like the small producers that really do that. Right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the coder lecture circuit and so on. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so... Uh, for the purposes of explaining the new recursion at any rate and out of all the activity going on in the countryside, the emergent non-ownership managements to which I drew attention were the neighborhood councils known as JAPs, uh, Junta de Aprovisionamiento, <laughs> Aprovisionamiento Popular and uh, the Comandos de... Abastecimiento. Abastecimiento. That's my best gloss. Sorry. Uh, Who were local volunteer bodies uh, supervising provisioning. Both forms of organization had been fundamentally self-generating, but each had an accepted status within administrative policy by this time. Indeed, the development of the commandos, in particular, had been considerably influenced by the conceptual use of this viable system model. Those closely involved had, for example, explained how they had rapidly understood the requirement for System 2 activity within this initially makeshift distribution system. Then, the cybernetic argument for the fresh architectonic uh, took shape. The new recursion should be recognized with initially three systems one. First would come the nest of industrial recursions with its regulatory procedures embodied in Project Cybersyn and presided over by the workers' committees at each recursive level. Next would come the nest of economic communities in which all those regulatory activities already summed under the heading of the, of the People Project would find their embodiment presided over by the JAPs. These would be linked by the third viable system, replacing existing commerce with a new commerce, over which the commandos already presided. The regulatory procedures needed here could be very rapidly provided because they already existed in the standard toolkit of operational research. 
Thus, an allocation project became a possibility, which would seek to satisfy demand in an effective fashion using mathematics as well as organizational techniques. So uh, we see in figure 47 uh, the, the levels of recursion, uh, the proposed new level of recursion in the Ministry of Economics, which collects into System 1 existing projects that may be inspected on a 90 degree rotation. Uh, so we have industry, commerce, and community, as Beer described them, uh, as these uh, System 1s, which are, are linked to their environment, uh, industry being materials, commerce being agriculture, and community being region. Uh, the yeah, and we can also see here how uh, the systems three, four, five uh, are uh, Project Cybersyn, the Allocation Project, and then the People Project. Uh, those are all are all uh, listed together, and the System Fives are the Workers Committees, the uh, Commandos, and the JAPs, and then all of this together is aggregated into the Ministry of Economics. Uh, the layout of the new level of recursion is shown in Figure Forty Seven with its three systems. One, by turning the page through 90 degrees, the second level of recursion may be inspected. Details of the model for industry would be unchanged from those given in the last chapter. The models for community and commerce would seek to map the nests of recursions already organizing themselves on the ground. For instance, the so-called industrial belts were now emerging. These were self-organizing entities in the cybernetic sense, that arose in response to the bureaucracy of the sector committees of Corfo itself. Again, cybernetic workshops were being held, or were held, and proved to be positive experiences for all concerned. Uh, Derinko is shown as operating on the parasympathetic loop. This was a government agency concerned with fair trading and price control. It had all the marks of this high-variety regulator, as had been explicitly recognized a year earlier. If we had not been active in its regard, it was because we had compressed two levels of recursion into one. By the same token, we ought to have been able to have predicted the System 2 commandos uh, had two levels of recursion within the model of the ministry, uh, which had been teased apart in advance. Now, however, everything was falling into place. The whole system as depicted in figure 47 looked robust, but it really needed a new set of communications to vitalize the major, major loops at the ministerial level of recursion. It was now obvious that the original cybernet belonging to the second level of recursion, uh, industry, for which it had been designed, was not adequate at the higher ministerial level of recursion, although it had been successfully dragooned into that role during the October emergency. Again, intuitions were sparking ahead of the formal analysis. For the core group had already generated the thought that a new version of the post office could provide the network of Algeda nodes that the ministry needed for internal regulation at the metasystemic level. Certainly, that idea fitted perfectly with this architectonic 
and with my own belief that although CyberNet could not properly handle the topographical requirements of the ministerial recursion, CyberStride could indeed handle its filtration needs. For I could think of no regulatory indicator appropriate to the two new components of System 1 at the higher level of recursion that could not readily be expressed as a triple index. Uh, so, you know, some dimensions of cyber, uh, cyber sin are uh, left at that level of recursion and other ones can be pulled up to deal with these uh, relationships between industry, commerce, and community. Uh, you know, according to what's available and what's appropriate. Uh, to take an example, and it got no more than that, a community commando knows how much meat it has got, actual, and how much it would like, potential, while a rationing rubric applied to regionally available supplies could quickly compute how much meat it can have, capability. Then, a triple index can be monitored to alert the commerce system to impending shortage at each next lower echelon though through a supply equals productivity quotient. And the appropriate system for could be alerted to shifts in the investment, or in this case probably import level, required to match not merely need, but desire through a demand equals latency quotient, and so on throughout the model. In the outcome, it was CyberNet rather than CyberStride that was expanded beyond industrial boundaries. It seems that the power of instant communication provides huge, provides huge advances in regulatory finesse that can quickly be assimilated, and that the filtration system can be relatively crude. Ministries, the central bank, and many government agencies were incorporated into CyberNet at this point. The lesson has not yet been understood by other countries. All right, uh, so let's uh, let's talk about this section. Uh, Shane, go ahead. That last bit seems like it's solved by the internet these days. Um, we got all the all the interconnectivity we could ever want. Um, um, I don't know. One of the other bits that jumps out is the, um, the integrating the newly self-emerging, self-organizing entities like this, these industrial belts, which I don't know seem to they they, they emerge in response to the core foe activities. Mm -hmm. So, like, rather than just like being like, "How fucking dare you!" and smashing them, and uh, they're like, "Oh yeah, cool." Like, this, it's just like let's let's integrate that into the fold. Um, yes, the like actual emergence of new things is not interpreted as a threat, uh, which is refreshing. Rather than like just sending a fucking battalion down there to fucking kill them or whatever. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's very interesting. Uh, Okay, let's uh, let's keep going then. Uh, so at that moment, the end of November 1972, and a year into the work, then it seemed possible by that by understanding the formal cybernetics of the radically changed situation, we might start to resolve what I certainly regarded as an alarming degree of political confusion. There was disagreement within the core group on almost every topic. Sets of economic advisors were coming and going and contradicting each other from within different sections of the ministry. The minister's priorities, the division of his attention between his ministry and the collegiate responsibility of the cabinet, and his own public posture were all matters of advice that divided his personal advisors. Probably none of this is very unusual when a government is under intense pressure. 
But the intellectual hubbub it creates does deafen one to conclusions that might otherwise be heard perfectly clear. To reach the structural conclusion recorded in figure 47, to think through the variety engineering implicit in that model, which is eventually to lead to certain theoretical cybernetic advances, and to elaborate the necessary support of detail as to praxis, was completely exhausting. Therefore, it would certainly tax my colleagues who are already very tired and busy in their own right. These are the realities of the implementation of management science when the situation is very stressful. It is important that the degree of stress be understood. Events are moving so quickly in such circumstances that it is almost impossible not to make a mistake. I go into some detail here because my records of the two relevant weeks are sufficiently thorough as to explain what I think was eventually a mistake. On the 30th of November, 1972, I took Enrique Farnay into my confidence as to these proposed new plans. As head of the Nationalized Automobile Agency for the whole country, he was probably under more pressure than any other colleague, but he was the one best placed to collaborate in the implementation of any such ideas. We discussed them for eight hours and agreed to meet Fernando Flores together as soon as we could. The meeting of the three of us took place the next day. Uh, Friday at, at 10.45 in the evening. I left Flores' house at 3 a.m. The minister's departing words are quoted in the log. The arguments are so cogent that I have no alternative. During the next 12 days, I wrote the plan down in a document entitled One Year of Relative Solitude. This title will convey a special meaning to readers uh, of the writer Gabriel Garcia Marquez, but the subtitle was straightforwardly, The Second Level of Recursion. These 12 days were, ex were exceptionally busy. Maybe their influence significantly changed the emphasis of the rec recommendations as originally advanced. At any rate, this was the gist of the written statement. Firstly, I was fairly confident about progress with Project Cybersyn considered as a piece of management development. All the project managers were enthusiastic about progress. Results were emanating from Checo. The Cyberstride PERT was on course, and meetings with those running inputs from the big nationalized industries were satisfactory. The operations room was under construction, and I was visiting it once or twice every day, often with impatient would-be users. Workers' representatives were becoming very interested and were full of suggestions. Given the evolution of Figure 47, the advocacy was to stand yet further back from the management of its Systems 1, which after all ought to be autonomous. For instance, there should be a Director of Total Industry as Chairman of System 5 in Recursion 2, uh, Industry, who would be a worker, and the tools already developed would be formally handed over. Evaluating the consequences, there ought to ensue a collapse of bureaucracy, a restructuring of the sector committees, if not their total abolition, and a replacement of technocratically oriented OR groups by workers groups. Then this would change the problem of training as so far conceived. One could look forward to the day when, instead of being enticed into attending government courses, industrial workers committees would be demanding service on the parasympathetic loop. Indeed, this was to happen when the dockers required to know why they were not yet involved, which was because transportation as a whole remained a politically intractable question. 
And yet, there was something manifestly starry-eyed about this set of expectations, and a sense of political realism had to insert those quotation marks. Uh, so, yes, uh, quote-unquote expectations. Uh, more fundamental cybernetic analysis was continuing in an attempt to identify the deeper system whereby such changes are universally resisted, and the topic will reappear in Chapter 19. Secondly, I could see no problems in developing the two new nests of the new recursion, which would clear the path correctly to design the new meta-system for the ministry. In particular, the advocacy was to found the public posture of the new minister on the people's use of the people's science. Angel Parar, whom, whom I met twice during those 12 days, and other artists were by now ready to join in such a campaign. Indeed, Parar sang the litany in public twice during that period. Separate meetings with all the members of the core group and several more with the minister led me to hope that all these plans were feasible. Pressing a little too hard, perhaps, the advocacy proposed a series of ministerial broadcasts on television and the public inauguration of the operations room by the president. Such moves were plausible and had been discussed before. If they now came over with a touch of overstatement, the error can perhaps be traced to another incident that occurred during the 12 days, when time was at such a high premium. At their own request, I saw a most distinguished pair of British television producers who had come to make a documentary film about Chile and its experiment. They already knew after one day what this documentary should say, and the travesty was eventually broadcast exactly as planned. Presumably, my role was intended to be to endorse the product. The impotent rage to which this interview reduced me was surely connected with the advocacy to use the medium properly and soon. These days of talks may have changed the emphasis in the written report as distinguished from the oral report. Certainly, there was no shift in the perception of social objectives, nor in the managerial cybernetics implicit in the organizational design. What was shifting, even from one day to the next, was the emphasis of sectarian politics. Fernando Flores had emerged from the events of October with an enhanced reputation and a cabinet post. By December, he was under constant and vitriolic attack in the press. Thus, the question as to what public actions were feasible for him was overriding. As far as I was concerned, I took little notice of the fact that various people were loudly suggesting that I had completed my contract, a circumstance that I should have taken more seriously. The report was not finished until breakfast time on the day of departure, and my close colleagues did not like it. I thought that perhaps there had not been enough time to take the ideas beyond the evangelical phase and out into solid theology, and that, that the meaning of the report would sink in during my brief absence over Christmas. Perhaps it did insofar as the dual recursion idea was effectively assimilated and the conceptual model offered was adopted as a mode of thinking and talking. But there was no outcome in terms of organizational change or ministerial stance as I had advocated. Almost any explanation of this could be defended. The probability is that the freedom to maneuver in so powerfully constrained a situation is itself curtailed almost to zero. It is also likely that evangelism does not have requisite variety to complete any theological job. 
During my first late night walk in Santiago in the fateful year of 1973, which was to see the fall of the government and the death of many friends, I was dispirited. The city was peaceful enough, quiet even, but for the first time in the whole enterprise, I felt made alien. The words of Nietzsche were in my head. Our steps ring too lonely through their streets. All right, so uh, any comments on this uh, political section here at the end? Uh, Shane, go ahead. Fucking Brits in their fucking documentary. <laughs> yeah. Fucking well, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> classic, classic BBC, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it was BBC, but it, I could imagine yeah, it being BBC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? Um, yeah, scumbags. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, very dis it's very disheartening, right? That, like, um, you, you can kind of feel the autumn air settling in now. You know, it's like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they see the problems and beers working around the fucking clock to like, and everyone else working around the clock to get all the shit happening. But um, as it says at the end, yeah, it's just it's constrained. There's very little wiggle room. Um, yeah, it's uh, it ain't great. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the the idea of abolishing management uh, would certainly find some resistance from uh, the parties that were supported by managers. <laughs> <laughs> but there was also no other there was no spare capacity anywhere else to overcome that resistance right like yes. it's, it's it's constrained on all sides right like it's constrained in the terms that you're you're up against a solid wall right that's a constraint yep. and then lacking the power to overcome the wall is a constraint and so on you know it's um there's a lot a lot of different constraints there yes okay uh let's go to jake and then matt and then we'll wrap yeah, this definitely like this last section is just, you know, like beer comes into this whole thing, not being very political, you know, like having these ideas that are very politically radical uh, or rather radical and would be radical if implemented um, and then spends the whole time being like, guys, can't we just do the thing? Let's just do this. Let's stop. Like, why, why are you worried about these politics? You know, I'm sure he wasn't actually like that but you know that was that's kind of the vibe that this this last bit gets it's just like and i get it especially considering the outcome you know it's just like if it weren't for these stupid politics for people having their own personal investments in the way things were and not wanting to see change happen or wanting to control the change rather than let it sort of evolve naturally as beer's whole thing is about you know letting the sort of evolution of the system occur in a way that, um, you know, has some direction, but isn't constraining it. You know, it's just like, it, it falls apart. I mean, like I, and, and, you know, talking about him talking about the ways that everyone was like, so stretched thin, you know, it's just like all these things that kind of led to this confluence of events, obviously culminating in a, in a coup. And it's just, it's sad. It's, it's, it's quite sad and, and um, yeah, it also, also just shows like how important politics is. Like the political question needs to be centered because politics will derail anything. You know, politics in this case being the like exchange and conflict between people and powers, you know, like this is gonna destabilize any system because people have their own personal motivations, personal like influences and, and 
loyalty is whatever. And, you know, it'd be great if everyone was like loyal to the most ideal system, you know, right. And could just sort of subsume whatever beefs they had before to like this project or to whatever project. But like, I think any, every socialist project, uh, bears out the fact that that's not possible, that it's always going to like these, these political, like what's the word, um, political currents will, will shift the best laid plans, you know, and it's important that we not forget that and not try to, you know, not try to paper over something. I mean, we can, we can, we can table some political discussions. Like, I don't think we nest, we don't need to say like, Oh, well, who's going to be the controller of like, who's going to be the, the head of the government of the United socialist States of America. Like, we're not there yet. We don't need to have that like discussion. Right. But like some stuff about like, well, who do you want to center in, uh, in the work that you do? Who do you want to, how do you want power to be wielded? How do you want structures to be set up? That stuff is important and does need to like have that political component within it and not be like left to, I don't know. I feel like it can be left to people who just have the time to, to deal with it. I feel like that's, that's something that happens a lot for sure. Mm-hmm. Just like you have the capacity to like take on the work that needs to be done. No. All right. Well then I guess you don't have any like political say in how it gets done. And maybe that's something that we could try and figure out a solution to. Um, but yeah, very mm-hmm. sad. And it's a damn shame. It is a shame. Uh, what we, we see happen here to say the least. Uh, we'll get more into that uh, next chapter. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, first thing, with the last thing Jake said, I'm say come to mind is um maybe like having more like um opt-in forms of governance where like you know these are the people who mostly deal with this, but you know like if you want to slam on the brakes, like like you have a channel like uh, like to do that where you know it'll actually and and that'll actually go somewhere. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, also, also some uh, uh, echoing the the, the uh, thing of like, uh, you know, uh, how just wrong like the liberal conception of what politics is, where you know we all just come together and we think of like the best solution together, and just you know ha- having no uh, uh, thought to like uh, different groups and their interests and them acting in you know the the, the uh, interest of of their group um, uh, as as opposed. To, and the thing is, like, it's not even that that it's not collectivist because that that's the other like uh, liberal thing thing that's wrong. You know, they, they either think in terms. Of, you know, we're all going for the common good, or you know, like we're all like atomic actors. Well, no, th- th- there are little islands of uh, mutual benefit that you know, um, uh, 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 people actually do you know work in favor of. You know, people do have small collectivisms, and that's why class politics, like, is how you know, is the thing that's historically you know, even if it loses more often than it wins, it's the thing like with the best you know uh, success rate against uh, uh, the, the 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 vampire uh, 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 class. And uh, um, yeah, the, um, uh, also I found that last bit of like um, uh, the evangelical versus the theology. I, f- I feel like um, you know, especially with like his thing of uh, you know, sort of like unlocking the creative potential of, uh, uh, of of people who maybe like weren't involved before. You know, I'm thinking of a metaphor like uh, um, the way like firebombing like actually worked in like second in the Second World War was um, you know, you can't actually burn down the whole city like just from the bombs. Like you have to ignite the city. Like, uh, you know, the, the, like the bomb has to, you know, turn like the thing into fuel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and that's how, you know, evangelism can maybe turn into theology. You know, well, like, uh, uh, you know, some someone kind of gets on board and, you know, starts bringing what they know to the table. And, you know, like, like that's how you actually uh, progress. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, yes, uh, yeah, certainly very effective in Tokyo, a wooden city. Um, <laughs> I guess we need to find wooden cities for socialism. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the theology there is, is I, I, I am, I'm not a Catholic to the degree that, that beer was a Catholic. So I, I can't speak too much to what he's saying there. Uh, but, uh, I think he's, he's talking about, uh, the evangelical, uh, message being combined with, uh, kind of institutional knowledge and lived experience. Um, and that's that's going to happen more gradually than beer writing some brilliant document and handing it off to everyone after breakfast before hopping on a plane. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very, very tight, uh, very tight timelines everyone was working on. Uh, OK, well, uh, so next time uh, we're going to move on to the next chapter, uh, which is. Chapter 19, the end of the beginning. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna get into some proper Thermidor stuff uh, here, uh, and uh, yeah, and then the final chapter will be Chapter 20, the Prospectus, uh, which covers uh, your sort of uh, post Chile thoughts on what happened and what might be done differently. Uh, so yeah, chapter 19, uh, let's get ready to get depressed about, uh, fascism. Uh, but you know, there'll be some valuable lessons on the other end. So I'll see you then. Indeed. See y'all soon. Bye. 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 Bye.